And granted, I grew up in an incredibly organized household. And so to be in a state of chaos and craziness and, and doing little kids and moving and all of that kind of stuff, it was, you know, I knew how, how to get over it physically. I knew how to physically organize my space, but I didn't know how to mentally organize my space. I didn't know how to mentally make myself feel better. And, you know, I had the stuff that I needed to be a successful mom and to be a successful housewife and to be a successful, all these things. But mentally, I was still using stuff as either a distraction or a comfort blanket. But now walking through these steps on my own in a mental space, in a mental capacity to kind of meld that entire world together, I thought, oh, oh, wow, I can teach people how to mentally and physically get themselves decluttered and organized in a way that nobody really ever teaches. Like nobody teaches you how to declutter. Mm -hmm. They just say, oh, you just need to get rid of a whole lot of stuff. Just get rid of it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Cultural Hall. Couple of little programming notes. As I release this, it is the day before LDS General Conference for the fall of the longest year ever, 2020. Be sure that you are following us on Twitter for all of the live tweeting. Be sure that you are following us on Instagram because we are doing a giveaway this weekend. Be sure that you're following us on Facebook because there will be a lot of stuff going up there, including the best of Twitter. We share that via Facebook and via our website, theculturalhall.com. You can find us at The Cultural Hall on all social medias. Don't forget Pinterest. It's in there, too. We, we're not doing anything in particular for General Conference Week on Pinterest. But listen, it's there. You can follow us. That's one programming note. Second programming note, I want you to know that on Monday we will have a recap episode of General Conference Plus News. It's not going to be longer than an hour because we always do hour-long episodes for you but it'll likely be general conference recap first and then articles of news. Look for that either late Sunday night or early Monday morning in your inbox. And then this, the next week's episode of the Cultural Hall. That's right, one week from today, we talk with uh, the women of MWEG, the Mormon Women for Ethical Government. We're going to talk all about what that is, and certainly with the, uh, the recent events of late, uh, that with President Trump being checked into the hospital. Well, I mean, you won't hear us reference that within the interview. It was recorded before that happened. But an amazing organization doing tremendous things and wanted to be able to speak with them. But wait, there's more. There, There's this whole episode of the Cultural Hall. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall, or in this case, is it another episode of the Richie T. and Ashley D. show? Say what? We'll explain what that's all about. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, I don't actually even know. Now, let me think. Hold on. Because Davis is what uh -oh. I know you uh -oh. as. Now I have to remember what you're, Stuart. Stuart? Is it Stuart? You got it. Okay. You got it, Stuart. Uh, Ashley Stewart. Uh, rethink clutter is what you've sort of made a name for yourself, and we'll get mm -hmm. there. So calm down. <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's particularly fun. The first person that I ever had the opportunity to be on the radio with is who Ashley is. So uh, that's me. I, I'm excited. Forever ago. Like I'm excited 19, to reminisce. 19 years ago? I was going to. 18 it, years ago. Yeah. You were going to say 19 something. And I was like, no, it was early 2000s. It would have been. Hold on. It would have been fall of 2001. So we're uh -huh. almost on 19 years. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Ashley and I both went to Southern Utah University because neither of us could get into BYU. And uh, <laughs> just should, should, should I say that I never even dropped my application for that? Or I, is that I, did, I didn't do one either. I just sort of, uh, I just was like, well, you know, if you live in Utah, which I did when I was applying for college, it just, you have to be smarter than that. And uh-huh. I, I didn't do it. Anyway, so Southern Utah University, <laughs> we both enrolled into a radio class and sure enough, uh, I I got in, you got in. We said let's do a show, and 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 we did it. And we talked to people about dating. We had so much fun. It was such a mess, but it, we had so much fun. It was it was both of us when we were single, and a hot mess, both of us. So <laughs> I, I mean, I can remember having discussions where uh, I think you were dating a mutual friend of ours, and. Like it had just not gone well. And I had had a little insider information from that other individual that like he was he was sort of over it. And you're like, do we do you think he's now, over it? Now you're telling me this. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. you're telling me this. <laughs> but but back then, I, you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to hurt feelings. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe but... it'll work out. Um, so, so, uh, obviously we'll oh, get, man. we'll get into the, uh, the rethink clutter, which I, I wanted, almost wanted to title this episode cleanliness next to godliness. Um, yeah, that's just, usually what people think when they, when they try to match up religion with what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually the first thing out of their mouths. Well, and I want to, and I just want to cram it in there. So we'll get there, but tell people <laughs> a little bit about yourself, uh, where you were raised, lifelong member of the church or convert or what's the deal? Yeah, so I was I I've moved so um I just moved uh which was num- move number 20 for me <laughs> in your so life I or was, this year. The, uh my whole life. Okay. Move number 20 for my whole life. And uh, so yeah, I raised Air Force, married Army and that kind of takes care of that, but uh, so yeah, I raised um Does that make now just real over. quick to put a pause right there. Does that uh-huh. make family uh interactions sort of difficult because you were raised Air Force and married Army. I know between the two factions. No, I, I always said that if it had gone the other way, if I was raised Army and married Air Force, I probably would have been disowned. Yeah, okay. But considering it went the way that it did, everything's great. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is so funny to me, that sort of inner competition between uh-huh. each of the branches of military. <laughs> and unless you're surrounded in it, you, you just sort of are like, oh, yeah, they're in the Army, right? You'd call the Air Force the Army or you'd call right. the Marines the right. Army. But if you call someone who's a part of one of those organizations something, something that they're else? not, mm-hmm. you're, you're in big trouble. Yeah. big trouble so no no it, it all worked out really well so i kind of bounced in and out of utah and we ended up back in utah uh for my dad to help out with the the olympics mm-hmm. uh and so anyway we we got here early so i ended up graduating high school from um from brigham city in box elder box elder high school Home and, of the uh, Brigham City Temple, one of my favorite temples. Yeah. So gorgeous. I've actually never been inside that one yet because it was built when I wasn't here. Um, so anyway, graduated Box Elder High School, ended up going to SUU right after that, and then um, transferred out to go on my mission, came back. Where'd you serve? To Weaver State. Uh, New York City South, Spanish-speaking. That's right. Now, New York yeah. City South, though, is not the... Uh, like it's not the Rochester or any of now. that kind of stuff, right? No, 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 no. So we had um, Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island, and um, 
Uh, Bermuda was actually intermission, but only English speaking elders got to go there. So, oh, see. Um, right. I know. <laughs> I didn't feel bad. Yeah. Did not feel bad. So but. so interesting, though, recently with the news and everything, how are the people that you knew from your mission faring with the coronavirus? Or, or is it to, it must be impacting certainly those congregations quite a bit. So, yeah, they're doing just as well as any of the rest of us, I guess. I mean, they're kind of more in the thick of it because it is New York City. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, it's everything is shut down and people are going to church at home, just like here. And there's, you know, nerves are running high, just like anybody else. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. So you come but, home and then you go to Weber state, which is in Northern went to Utah. Weber state. And that's yep. Northern Utah. That's where I graduated from. I got married a month after I graduated. Of course you did. And uh, then we were off to the right. <laughs> you make it sound like. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Well, yeah, it makes it sound uh, like high yeah, school, right? We yeah, off. sure. I know. Yeah, a right? month after she graduated. Yeah, sure. yeah college, jerk. Like I just met him that month. Um, yeah, and then we were off to the races from there. Uh, survived a 15-month deployment um, all by myself. How was that? Were, did you have kids at the time when your husband was gone? Or no. Just, just, no, we So just you. Bought a house. and uh, But I, I chose to stay there because of... Just that military environment. I wanted to be there in the thick of everybody else doing deployment and military mm -hmm. and living in that world and that life. And it was, it was the best choice for me. I, I enjoyed it. I appreciated being there in the it, thick of it all. It's a pretty tight knit community for the church anyway, but the the military church oh, community yeah. is just that much tighter. Yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting. The ward that I was in during the deployment. I am still in touch with a ton of those people just because they become your family. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, the military in and of itself is such a, a, a small subculture, a subset, but then you get the church within the military mm -hmm. and it's this teeny tiny little world. So you meet people in the church and the military and, and uh, you know, people all over the world for the rest of your life. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. That, that yeah. is pretty awesome. And, and you get the experience of, you know, you, you get the label of like army brat or, you know, in the military brat uh, for a reason, because you're you're caused to have to pick up and move and and real quick to make friendships. I know mm -hmm. you and I, we were in that class for all of a day. And then the next day I'm like, oh, I guess I have a new best friend. This is fun. Right. I had no we're idea. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, and so he obviously comes home safely. And then yes. you guys. Yeah, he came home safely and we. um we have currently we have three kids. We are back in Utah. Just moved here back uh, a year ago, and um, yeah, I like long walks on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Gemini. Like <laughs> uh, so a, a thing that's interesting to me about this though is when I knew you, and obviously we did the uh, we did the um, you know radio thing together a uh -huh. while ago. But when I knew you, it was like, yeah, I want to do. Um, I want to do voices for Disney characters. And I sort of knew you to do this, uh, you know, that sort of entertainment kind of thing. And and then out of not nowhere necessarily, but certainly out of someplace, it's like, yeah, it's all about organization. And this uh -huh. can help people's lives. It can help their spiritual. It can help their wellness, like their physical health and their mental health and all these things. You got it. And, and I just feel like I, m I missed 
years upon years <laughs> upon years. So what, what I'm the ho- heck happened? So what I'm hoping people can get from this is not only find out how entertaining we were all those years ago, but <laughs> but also uh, I'm hoping that some of the information that we can get in the time that we chat is some really basic principles that people can kind of take on uh, and and be able to help better their life. So actual practical yeah. things with uh, with their clutter. But then also, I hope that we'll be able to, um, to, to make some sort of spiritual application out of all that as well, as this is the cultural hall, you know, right. to have some sort of right. religious spiritual nature of the whole thing. So that is where I would like to go. You can get us there however you'd like. The rest <laughs> of the show is yours. So yeah, when we met, I really did. I wanted to be a voice actor and I'd been doing radio since I was in high school and I had all sorts of imitations and I I would imitate all these voices and, and really honestly, I was always, so I was the person who in high school was voted the biggest class clown Mm -hmm. and I didn't know why. Yeah. What are you guys saying? Really? Hey. But I wasn't, it's not like I was goofy on purpose or to to get a following. It was just that I had this quirky, random personality and I pulled faces like all the time. And people thought I was hilarious without ever trying to. (laughs) Um, But I guess you could call it my calling in life or my my special talent. I don't know what you want to call it, but I love teaching and not like i want to be a kindergarten teacher which like, there's I no, love which there's I nothing love wrong so that there's i can so that i can so that. that i can help you avoid the hate mail that right. i'm gonna have to forward from me to you contact at the cultural hall go, go ahead and send it straight to richie t yeah. uh no but it wasn't like that you know i, I want to be a kindergarten teacher when i grow up it was i could teach things in a way that most people didn't understand how i even thought that way hmm. And so it was really fun to, to be teaching in Sunday school classes and, you know, be teaching all that and have a full house the day that I taught. And then the next teacher would come in and it was like 10 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just realized that I love teaching and it didn't matter what I taught. It was just a whole lot of fun because of this personality that, you know, that I, that I have. Um And I never considered myself a public speaker because I had this face for radio because I pull faces all the time (laughs) and it's really kind of funny. And so I, I never really withdrew myself, you know, saw myself outside of, of just behind a microphone until I went through, uh, everything that I did. I mean, you know, life is good until it's not. Yeah. Until you, you find know, yourself and, in that situation where it's like, oh, no, this sucks. What's going oh, on here? man, yeah. why am I doing this? And I know I know you don't have, like, the, you know, the perfect story. You have no. a whole lot of crap that you got slugged through. And Thank you. And um, <laughs> you did. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was after we had been, my husband and I had been married, gosh, I don't know, what, 10 years? You know, and, and we had we had gone through the deployment. We had gone through him having to get out of the military because they medically discharged him. We had three kids in four years, all of whom have, um, they're all neurodiverse. So I don't know what that means. You may have to explain that a little bit. That means my oldest is, uh, Asperger's. So she's, she's on the autism spectrum. My middle is they're They're debating whether or not he's autistic or not, but he's, this combination of 
ADHD, OCD. Um, he has oppositional defiant tendencies. He has sensory processing triggers. He has, you know, just kind of this smattering, like all of the initials. Uh-huh. You think of all those things, he's got them. Yeah. He's um, also a DDS, which is awesome. He's a right? dentist. I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. DPM, PhD. Um, and then my youngest has sensory processing issues as well, sensory processing disorder. And, mm. uh, and so anyway, so dealing with that and trying to figure out that whole mess, plus my husband getting out of the military and not just, uh, you know, a, a shift in your career. This was an entirely new career and moving. And we had just dealt with two major deaths in the family. Mm. We, we were moving, um, we kind of ended up being homeless for a while because it was a shift out of the military. We didn't know when our, our home was going to sell. So we just threw it up on the market. Well, it sold in less than 24 hours. And oh so my we gosh. were like, Oh my word. And we, we moved three weeks after my youngest was born. Um, all at the same time, my husband um, had just left the church. Hmm. So it was just Every single major life transition you can think of, we went through it at all, all at the same time, all within the course of, you know, two to four years. Wow. Um, I was so lost. You know, I, I didn't know. I mean, I knew who I was, but there, it wasn't fun. Um, and, and if anybody knows you, they know that if you and I hung out, you know, I like fun. Oh yeah. I'm motivated by fun. I'm driven by fun. And the fact that life wasn't fun anymore. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a pleasure being a mom because my kids were, you know, I, I didn't know how to deal with my kids at the time. I didn't know how to interact with my husband because, you know, he was going through a whole bunch of major shifts and transitions and, um, you know, and so I, I, it was just one of those where I felt really, really alone and everything was falling apart. And then we hit rock bottom and we realized that, you know what, we're, we're still alive mm-hmm. and we have a home and we're still parents and leaving the church didn't mean the end of the world. We could still be married. We weren't going to get a divorce. Um, and you know what, life like we hit rock bottom and life was starting to get a little bit easier. It was starting to, to pick up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my kids were starting to sleep through the night. So yay, <laughs> I wasn't like a sleep deprived maniac anymore. And, um, you know, his, his new job was going really well and he was enjoying it. And so as life got better naturally on its own, and as we started making good you know, good choices that would actually like, we went to marriage counseling and we did all these things that, you know, you're supposed to when you're going through hard times. But I started noticing how much I relied on stuff to be either a distraction mm-hmm. or comfort blanket. Hmm. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And, and granted, I grew up in an incredibly organized household. And so to be in a state of chaos and, uh, you know, just, just craziness and, and doing little kids and moving and all of that kind of stuff. It was, you know, I knew how, how to get over it physically. Yeah, I knew how to physically organize my space, but I didn't know how to mentally organize my space. I didn't know how to mentally make myself feel better. And, you know, I had the stuff that I needed, 
to be a successful mom and to be a successful housewife and to be a successful, all these things. But mentally, I was still using stuff as either a distraction or a comfort blanket. And I thought, wow, you know, this is really crazy. And so you put all of those things together. Um, you know, the, my ability to teach coming from an organized household. So knowing the concepts of how to put my physical space together, but now walking through these steps on my own in a mental space, in a mental capacity to kind of meld that entire world together. I thought, oh, oh, wow, I can teach people how to mentally and physically get themselves decluttered and organized in a way that nobody really ever teaches. Like nobody teaches you how to declutter. Mm -hmm. They just say, oh, you just need to get rid of a whole lot of stuff. Just get rid of it. <laughs> yep. Just get rid of it. Say that it gave you joy. It gives and, you joy. And then Thank let it, it. And, and then let it go. Let it go to the universe. So let's yeah. talk about how you mesh those pizzas. Let's take a break, yeah. though, and uh, we'll come back and do that in the second block of the cultural hall. Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. It's our ultra mega back to school blowout sale. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of ultra high quality laptops and desktops on sale for up to 50% off the original prices. We've got demos, scratch and dents, trade-ins, and funny colored computers. It's crazy. Remember, you get a lifetime service guarantee on any PC Laptops brand computer. That means if you mess up your windows or you get a virus or spyware, it's covered forever. Got an old yucky computer? No problem. We'll take it in on trade and we'll transfer all your pictures, music, and all your stuff to your PC Laptops computer for free. When you get your computer from PC Laptops, we'll make sure you're taken care of for a lifetime. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12 months special financing on any PC Laptops desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC laptops where computers start at $7.99. PC laptops, we love you. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, if you would like to show your financial appreciation of the Cultural Hall, you can do so. You just go to patreon.com slash the Cultural Hall, and there are three different levels at which you're able to enjoy. The perk, well, you're able to be a part of that secret, not sacred Facebook group where if, uh, if you, in fact, are a member of that group, you are able to see this video. Now, you're listening dun, dun, to it. Dun. You're probably just listening to the audio of it, but you're able to see the video recording of this conversation. There are other perks as well. You get to be united with other folks who care about the cultural hall in a financial way. Encourage you to do it. Lowest realm is three. Highest one is ten. Uh, it's just a simple pledge, and it's cheaper than Netflix. So uh, so, so think about doing that. Patreon.com slash the cultural hall. Ashley, uh, you, just, yes, sir. You, you, you come to this point where you're like, yes, unique talents. Um, I, I would like to go back just briefly because sure. I, think, I think that there, there is something um, worthwhile in noting that you and your husband are still together and that you've been able yeah. to, to have him be the, the not part of the church and you be part of the church and that works. I think that provides a lot of hope yeah. for people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it was... Um, it was hard at the beginning. I mean, I won't, I won't deny that. Um, and it's hard to, <laughs> how much do you really want to know? I mean, I could talk for days on I, this. I would like to know whatever I you would like have... to tell me and be able to give me enough time so that we can talk right. about the clutter. As well. <laughs> um, 
it, it, I will just say that it was an incredibly hard journey, but I had to find my own voice in it. And I truly believe that there are things that I learned through that experience that I could have learned no other way. Hmm. Um, just because it, for me, the gospel is so sensical. It, it just makes sense to me mm-hmm. that I didn't ever think that there were other people who would just say, well, I don't believe in it because it doesn't make sense. Hmm. Um, and so to be able to have the conversations of like, well, do you realize that I believe in this? Not because somebody told me so, but because I actually believe in it myself, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so to have those conversations in that journey, um, I really had to find a very, very different voice for myself in, um, in a religious sense and in a gospel setting. I mean, you know, I grew up in a very strong household. My parents were kind of both the, the only white sheep in their family. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to do things very, very differently than, than their families. And they did an incredibly good job of it. And so we grew up in an incredibly strong household and, um, you know, at about the same time that my husband fell away from the church, it was one of those times where, you know, I found out that my sister was going through some of her own struggles, um, not, not in the church, but in a, in a very real sense, in a different way. My youngest brother was getting a divorce, which, you know, as strong members of the church, you just don't do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my older brother had come out of the closet and was very, very happy to be finally to be able to say that, you know, I'm gay and this is who I am. And so it was all of a sudden, like my husband was falling away from the church and my brother was getting divorced. My other brother was, was gay and and my sister was going through her own struggles and, you know, Oh no. And then to realize, Oh, we're totally fine. We're totally fine. And we are all very okay. And we are all good members of the church still. And we are all like just fine. And so it was just finding my voice and all that to say, just because things weren't as perfect as what I envisioned them, you know, as I grew up in this, mm-hmm. in this amazing it house. It will look like this. It, it will, will act like, like this. this. It will sound and like. All of my children will go on missions and all of us will have testimonies and all. It's like, we all still have testimonies, but in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're all still great people and we're all still members of the church and that's okay. We're awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and to realize that, I could be married to somebody who wasn't a member of the church and still be a stalwart member and not bash him and not be a victim and not blame him for all the things that went wrong. Uh, no, we're still married. Do we still have things to work on? Absolutely. Right. Um, you know, but there, there, we just, we had to redraw boundaries and we had to come up with new uh, expectations and agreements for each other. It it seems to me, even though maybe you've never thought of it this way, or maybe you think about this all the way, all the time this way, there are a lot of principles from probably that experience that apply themselves into, you know, the very physical things of, of, of decluttering or rethinking the clutter, Mm -hmm. uh, what you Mm -hmm. do now professionally. So as we, as we pivot into that, help people, please help people. Yes. (laughs) Oh my word. So I realized when I first started my business, I was up in Montana actually. And, um, and so when I moved, I, I couldn't bring my, the name of my business with me because Montana was tied into it. And um, so as I came and I was thinking, okay, you know, how, how can I take the sum of who I am? You know, my quirky, crazy, pull 
all sorts of faces all the time kind of person and combine that with these experiences that I just survived, <laughs> um, you know, and, and make me who I am, combine that all together. And it was just this whole concept of rethink, rethink your whole mentality, rethink how you grew up, rethink how you were taught and not, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but, but in the sense of how are you going to find your truest self and how are you going to be true to who you are and not necessarily what, what granny said. Um, there was even a, a talk in, in general conference about, um, and now forgive me because I don't remember who was talking about it, but um, the story of the ham, mm-hmm. like, okay, you, you know, we're making Thanksgiving dinner or whatever it is and you get the ham and you cut off the end. Well, mom, why do you do that? Well, I don't know. That's just because that's how grandma did it. <laughs> that's what we did. Okay, well, well, let's go talk to grandma. You know, why did you cut off the end of the ham? Well, I don't know. It's because my mom did it. Okay, well, it turns out, you know, they, they cut off the end of the ham because when great grandma started cooking ham for Thanksgiving dinner, her pan was only this big and the <laughs> ham was this big. So she had to cut off the end of the ham to fit it in the pan. Like rethink what you are doing and why you are doing it. Don't just be a lemming. Don't just go on with the flow. Don't, don't go buy an Instapot simply because everybody has an Instapot and it's the latest Black Friday deal. Yeah. Air fryer, by the way, is the new thing. Oh, if, if you don't well, have, if you don't have an air fryer, come on, come on, Ashley. <sighs> <sighs> but yeah, it's, it's one of those that is just rethink why you hang on to things and why you buy things in the first place and why my my big niche, my big thing is why are you unwilling to let go of what you already have? Why, when I get a new calling and I go to the supply closet, why do I have to clean out every single supply closet for every single calling I've <laughs> ever had? <laughs> and why, for the sake of Pete, do I find things in the supply closet that were clearly from 20 years ago? <laughs> I mean, when you throw away, when you recycle, we'll, we'll even be green here. When you recycle your old church books, it does not mean that you are throwing away the doctrine. It does not mean that you are throwing away the prophet himself. But it means. But how hard is it? And I'm being very serious. And, and I, I, know, know, I, I know. And I know. But like I have, I have. Um, the, they used to be, what's the thing together bind. They used to be bound together. Like my discussions from my mission 20 uh-huh. years ago, they don't use the mission discussions anymore. Right. Where we used to have <laughs> them by rote. They, they have the binder holes along the side of them and not just the three, like all the little ones, you know, uh-huh. have the little yep. plastic, movies, yep. <laughs> right. I haven't looked at them. I have no intent to look at them. If I have a son or a daughter who serves a mission, they won't need them. They, they won't, won't care. Use them. They won't care. Yeah. And yet, yeah. you know where they are? storeroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are, and there's good reason for that. And I'm not saying it's time to get rid of them mm-hmm. because in the middle of all of this, you have to find your treasures and you have to find the things that bring back memories and, and completes, you know, who you are and tells your story, you mm-hmm. know, tell your story. Um, but there are five reasons why we, 
that I have found in my five years of doing this. There are five reasons. There's no excuse, Richie T, that you can give me that doesn't fit into these five. All and right, I have all right. Hang on. Everyone needs to get a pen and a piece of paper. Hang yep, on. Get a pen and a piece of paper. Five, I will tell you. Five reasons why we don't get reasons. rid of our stuff. Mm-hmm. Falls into one of these mm-hmm. five. All right. I've got pen you in got hand. Okay. So the first. The first... <laughs> Teacher, Mrs. Stewart. I've got a pen I've in hand. I've missed you so, Richie T. I've missed you so. <laughs> so the first one is time. And oh. there's. So time actually splits into two. So we either don't make the time. I just don't have time for this. Oh, my gosh. I am so busy. Um, so we either need to make the time. Mm-hmm. Or we're taking the time. Now, what do you mean by that? So we are saying this still holds value to me. This still holds memories to me. Um, you know, my my husband passed away 10 years ago and I haven't moved his shoes away from the front door. Mm. That's fine. That is totally fine. Take the time and don't feel guilty about it. But here's the the caveat you can't take the time by shoving something in a box and not looking at it for 10 years. That's not mm. taking time. That's avoiding. That's avoiding. So if you're taking the time, you're looking at it. You're, you're remembering it. You're going through it on occasion. You're saying, you know, I remember um, doing this. I remember seeing this person. I remember going here. So make sure that as you're taking the time, you're seeing it, you're using it, you're experiencing it, you're touching it, you're, you're going through, you know, you're telling the stories again with it. Um, because that is what will tell you what's a true treasure mm. that you're going to keep forever versus something that, you know what? Okay. Time has told me now I'm done. I don't need to hang on to that anymore. And you're and, not, and you're not anti-treasure. I just want to be very clear. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. I'm not a minimalist. I am not telling anybody else they need to be a minimalist. I am not telling you that you need to get rid of something just because somebody else says so, just because the TV says so, just mm-hmm. because your kids say so. No, you need to find your treasures and you need to keep them and you need to keep them in a place that you can see them, feel them, relive them, hold them, pick them up, tell the stories that go along with them. So does that mean that everything in your house could be a treasure? Yeah, as long as you're willing to take the time to live those memories over and over and over again, as long as you're willing to show them and use them. You know, it's interesting. So uh, with recently being remarried and sort of combining things with two homes uh, and and now going through the stuff, there are things that I have held on to for a long time that for whatever mm-hmm. reason now as I've had the time to go through it, to look at it, a lot of those things, I'm like, yeah, I really cared about this. Like, I remembered all the emotion yeah. that I had with that yeah. thing, and I look at it now, and I'm like, eh, that's going to Meh. di, that's going to, Meh. that's that's going to recycling, that's going in the garbage. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, and that's the advantage of going through things on a somewhat regular basis, is because then you can see, oh, I don't, I don't have to think about that anymore. I mean, our brains are amazing, and it files away every single thing that we have, mm-hmm. and every single thing that we own. And sometimes when we're feeling overwhelmed, it's because we simply just own too much stuff. And, and our brains can't file it all away. So, so go through it because then you'll find those things that it's like, why do I still have this? It doesn't make sense to have this anymore. Like I'm so over that. That was so 20 years ago. That was so Instapotty. Um, it was so Instapotty. I'm so over that. I'm to air fryers now. Um, so go through your stuff and, and be willing to edit it, but take, make the time to go through it. So if that means you have to get a babysitter for the kids or you, you say, okay, you know what? 
uh, three months from now for four hours, we're going to go through the living room and pull everything apart and pull everything out of the cracks on the couch and pull all the DVDs out. I mean, do you really have DVDs? Yeah, what even? I, I mean, don't even know what that is, actually. Go through the stuff and get rid of the things and save the things that still have value and meaning. So, so, so that's, that's number time. one time. That's time. I've got the pen. Number Look, two, I've got the pen. You've got, I've got it. the paper. You've got it. You're so diligent. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Stewart. You're welcome. Uh, number two is nostalgia. Okay. So nostalgia I'm probably really good that... at this one. I am probably, uh-huh. this is probably my bread and butter. <laughs> nostalgia has to do three things. First of all, it has to withstand the test of time. Okay. What does that mean? That means... When you see it and you look at it and you feel it and you take the time to go through it, mm-hmm. if it still holds value and meaning, it can be considered nostalgic. Okay. 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 So it has to withstand the test of time. Uh, it has to connect you to something greater than what do you yourself. Mean? What so, do you mean? so like your your mission, your um, sorry, our service the discussions. Mission. So fine. I, I thank you. Yeah. I was going to call them Charles. Yeah. Um, so your discussions it connects you to something greater. It connects you to your mission, to your companions, to a great time, to the gospel, to the to best, God, you know, to the best two years of my life. To the best two years ever. <laughs> please, please speak in your spiritual voice when you refer to that. Please bless. No, wait. Um, yeah, if you're gonna, yeah. do, if you're gonna do it right, you have to. It was the best, the best two years. Two years. The best two years. You have to pause. Life. You have to and and speak it softly. <laughs> So, yes. Sometime not now. Remind me to tell you a story about that. Oh, anyway, no. okay. Oh, no. So <laughs> has to connect so, um, me. Has to connect you to something greater. And because nostalgia is a complex emotion, meaning that you can feel uh, sadness and yearning and belonging and anger and all those different things all at the same time, mm-hmm. it has to. It has to include happiness. So if, if so, if I'm hanging on to something because I like to beat myself up over some poor choices earlier in my life, you're telling you're telling me to get rid that's of those things. That's not nostalgia. Okay. If it brings back everything but happiness, that's not true nostalgia. Okay. And so you can't call it nostalgia. So oh. it has to withstand the test of time. Has to connect you to something greater, and it has to bring happiness to the thought and the memory. And most of the time, the things that can withstand those three things are true treasures that you should hang on to forever and always. It doesn't mean that somebody else is going to value them as much as you do. doesn't mean that your kids aren't going to throw them away after you die. It just means that to you, it is a treasure. So keep it, Hmm. uh, you know, save it, use it as a conversation piece. Um, So number three, we're going to get to after we take another break here in the cultural hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Time for the third block of the Cultural Hall where we hit up three, four, and five, the points that 
Uh, my friend, I call her Ashley D. You call her Mrs. Stewart as she delivers <laughs> these points to you uh, about ways that we can rethink the clutter. And I know that because a lot of us are having a lot more time at home, perhaps we've had right? the opportunity to go through that. <laughs> and I do want to talk to you about what you do in relation to that and how oh, sure. yeah. and how this self-quarantining experience has, has been for you and maybe what that's looked like. Um, but I do want to tell people that if they are uh, interested in getting in touch with us, here at the Cultural Hall, you can send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. And if you have guest suggestions, maybe you feel like you would be a good guest. You recently read a great church book and you think we should talk to the author. Um, if you have someone that you're like, oh man, wouldn't it be cool? I have no connection to that person, but I would love to talk to that or hear an episode with that person. You can send them all, contact at theculturalhall.com. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on all social medias at the Cultural Hall. And you can also ask to be a part of the Cultural Hall back row. That's where a bunch of nerdy people who love the Cultural Hall hang out. So uh, you can find that on Facebook as well. Ashley, I'll number three. Groupie. I got three. Number three in hand. is guilt. Okay. And this one's kind of a leech. It kind of attacks, attaches itself to some of the other reasons. Okay. Um, but guilt is one of those double-edged swords where we feel guilty when we get rid of something, mm -hmm. but we can also feel guilty hanging on to something. Okay. I, so get, we, I get it on the getting rid of something. I don't know that mm -hmm. I get it on the hanging on to something. Like this means nothing to me, but somebody gifted it to me. And so I have to hang on to it. Okay. Then and maybe so I don't guilted, understand the other side. I'm guilting into keeping it, but but what if, you know, what if I get rid of it and they come over to my house oh. and they ask to see if I have it and I don't have it, then I would feel guilty if I did get rid of it. So it's a two-edged sword. I can't keep it because it means nothing to me, but I would feel, so I feel guilty keeping it, uh -huh. but I also can't get rid of it because I would feel guilty getting rid of it. I, I love and the I, just, I love the idea of this uh, kind of gift gifting where it'd be like, uh, hey, I gave you that knife set. And then every time I come over to your house, I'm like, hey, are you so, using those knives? Yeah. Let me see the <laughs> No, like literally I come to the door. We're sitting, we're chatting. And I'm like, hey, before I go, I want to just make sure you still have that knife set I gave you. Right. In fact, I think I'm going to I'm going to from now on, anytime <laughs> I give a gift, demand that when I see that person again <laughs> to see that gift. They will hate you for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, without, without oh, question. Oh, they will hate you for it. So the the best way to combat this one is with gratitude. And I know that sounds cliche, but our brains are amazing. But focus on, focus on the relationship instead of the thing. Okay. So you know what, Richie T, um, you gave me a knife set five years ago. Mm -hmm. And oh, my gosh, they were great when I needed them. You were amazing to think of me. I could not have asked for a better gift. You must have been reading my mind. Thank you so much. Um, they have gotten really dull and I don't need them anymore. And so, you know what, before I get rid of them, I just wanted to call you up and say, thank you again. Because every time I pulled those knives out of the drawer, I thought of you and I thought of our relationship and I thought of what, you know, that gift meant to me at the time. And, and now, you know, what? I, I, I'm done with them. I need to move on. I need to get some that my kids can use. And so I'm, I'm going to take them to the DI or I'm going to gift them to somebody else who needs them better than me. But I still wanted to call you up and say, Richie T, thank you so much for that, for mm. that gift. 
How do you feel right now? I, that feels pretty awesome. And I like beyond just feeling awesome. I like that not only does it show that that gift was significant in its instance that you remember, but in a lot of cases, like I look at some of the things that I've been gifted and I'm no longer in contact with some of those people. Yeah. It gives me an excuse to be able to reach out and be like, hey, we haven't exactly. chatted in what seems like forever. Let's chat. Exactly. And so it connects you with a person and a relationship instead of a thing. Hmm. And it allows you to build that relationship and reconnect with a person that you otherwise have. You have no reason to just call this person up out of the blue. And hmm. it might feel really awkward to call that person up out of the blue. But all of a sudden you have a reason to. And it's to connect with that relationship to show gratitude for it. So something happens in our minds. I mean, the studies that have been done on, on gratitude are phenomenal. And there's a reason why in the gospel we are asked to practice gratitude and to give thanks. Um, it's, it's not to become a hoarder. Oh, I've, I've been given so many things. I just need to be grateful for what I have. Mm -hmm. No, it's also to be grateful for what people have given you and the gratitude that you can show as you move on. Hmm. So when you are feeling guilty, show how you can be grateful for something and then move on and give thanks and, and show the other side of the coin too. I mean, there for a while, I did everything secondhand. I, everything came from thrift stores. Hmm. And I remember finding these gems, these treasures going, oh, I am so thankful for the person who didn't need this anymore because this is amazing to me. Give somebody else the opportunity that's my Mormon word for the day. I'm sorry, the, 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 the gospel of Jesus word Christ of the day. Of Latter -day Saints. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh. word of the day um, is give somebody else the opportunity to be grateful for what you got rid of. So hmm. no more feeling guilt. Reconnect with a relationship and give somebody else the chance to be grateful as well. I love it. So right? I, if I've done this right, am I on four? four. Today is being brought to you by the number four. And the letter D, as in <laughs> Ashley D. No, Ashley I got, D. I, I got nothing. <laughs> number four. Oh, number four is perceived value. Okay. Oh, I think I'm we good at this think, one too. We think something has more value than what it really does. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, value I'm good at this. Is oh, that's only... worth $10,000. Is it? No, 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 it's not. <laughs> Could be. Uh, it might be if I know, hang on to it exactly long enough, right? Yep. If I just hang on to these beanie babies long enough, they will be worth <laughs> millions of dollars. Beanie babies, so stupid. No offense, beanie <sighs> baby collector listeners of the oh, Cultural man. Hall, oh, but man. do you remember how oh, we paid $80 and went across state lines to get the certain ones of the collection? How you yeah. feeling? How you yeah. feeling now? Yeah. Yeah. I I can't badmouth people because you know what? There are collectors of lots of different kinds of things and that's fine. Collections are fine and we can talk about those later if you, if you want to. But um, perceived value is huge. It tears families apart. Mm. Um, because Give me an example when, of what you mean there. When granny dies, people fight over what they think is valuable. Oh, oh. You know, I think this baby grand piano is the most valuable thing in the world. Well, so do I. But their values don't necessarily coincide. One is looking at the monetary value of it, and the other one is looking at the sentimental, the nostalgic value of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, they fight and, and stuff, this value, this perceived value tears families apart, and it's sad, it's tragic. 
But one of the examples that I always give is I bought a pair of fry boots online once. And Which if people don't know, and I don't know anyone who wouldn't, I'm told fry boots are the way to go. Are amazing. And my dad had a pair of fry boots when he was younger. And, and so there was kind of a sentimental attachment to them already. Mm-hmm. And I bought them online for 40 bucks. Which is an amazing deal because aren't they normally Which like, is an amazing yeah. deal. Like that particular pair of boots was like $180 pair of boots, which was on the cheap end of Fry. And so I was feeling like I was rocking and rolling and I was pretty hot stuff. And I wore them a couple of times and I was like, you know what? This just isn't, uh uh-uh. this isn't working. They're not fitting right. I don't like them. No. So I'm like, I can easily, easily put them back online and sell them for what I got them for. So I put them back online for 40 bucks and crickets, nothing happened. I thought, you're kidding me. These are fry boots. I mean, these are the thing to have. Why is nobody buying these? So I did a little bit of of research and I went online and all of the fry boots that were listed online were the exact same make that, you know, the make and model Mm -hmm. of boots. So I'm like, okay, there's a, these are faulty. Nobody likes these boots. So the market is saturated with these boots. And the ones that were actually selling online were selling for $12. So a $180 pair of boots were selling secondhand for 12 bucks after they'd been sitting online for months. But they're worth 40. But they're worth, right. So this perception of what value really Mm. is, like, first of all, you need to remember that value doesn't necessarily mean money. Yeah. Value can be measured in time. Value can be measured in space, in quiet, in peace of mind. I mean, so what really is the value of said object? Mm -hmm. And go proactively get the value out of it. If it's worth $180, go sell it for $180. Don't let it sit in your closet and do nothing because it's valuable. And someday I will sell it. Right. It's valuable because it's still good. Great. Then go donate it to the people who can actually use it. So that it has value out of it. So that it has its value realized as opposed to just being a valuable, you know, exactly hanger ornament. Exactly. So is the value in it just getting rid of it so that you have the time and the space to go do what you actually want to do instead of trying to throw a yard sale or trying to sell it online and then having people say that they're going to come and get it and they're not actually going to come and get it. And so you just wasted a whole half a day waiting for them to come and get it. But find the value and actively pursue getting the value out of it. Number if the value is in using it, instead of just looking at grandma's, you know, great grandma's tea set that came across the plains, use it. Is it going to break? Maybe. But are you going to find incredible value in using great grandma's tea set that came across the plains? Yeah, absolutely. So use it, find the value and get it. Number five. (sighs) You ready for this one? I don't know. This is when most people go, oh. Oh, I'm good so far. I've got one through four. Now I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she does number five and I'm good. I've got this. Just in case. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's actually fear. <laughs> I've got a room full of just in case. Literally, <laughs> I can think of a room at my house mm-hmm. of just in cases. You and 80% of America. I bet. Yep. Um, so this one comes from fear. This is fear. Mm-hmm. And this comes from 
everybody who survived the Great Depression and had stacks and stacks and stacks of Cool Whip containers and mayonnaise jars cool whip. and Cool Whip. Um, that's a totally. Let me tell you a story about that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, but hundreds of so, containers that has, you know, that has the, 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 the 200 pencils that has the, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just in case, you don't know. Just in case. Just in case. I need to hang on to this just in case. And I mean, what did we just face with the coronavirus? Yeah. A whole bunch of people hoarding toilet paper and bottles of water and think just in case. There was no association between what they bought and what they would have used it for had they gotten sick. No association. It was fear. I need it just in case. Just in case what? So when we hang on to things just in case, that is is a fear-based response, and it has been conditioned into us for generations. The people who went through the Great Depression and World War II and World War I and, you know, they went through rations and they went through, you know, a whole bunch of, of times when, when things weren't all that good and then the future wasn't clear. Uh, what they failed to mention was that, that that's a very different time. Mm-hmm. That's when they didn't have really good refrigerators and really good canning systems and really good distribution systems and really good, you know, things were very, very different. And so now we're conditioned to hold on to things just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, but our, our worlds are very, very different. And um, they could come to a screeching halt. We just, we just saw the possibilities of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we're going to live through the repercussions of that for a while yet to come. Sure. So we can see how easily things can be disrupted. However, <laughs> instead of being reactionary and fear-driven and purchasing things out of fear or holding on to things out of fear, we can use better logic than that. And this is the hardest one to overcome because we have to compete. We have to put emotion and logic head to head. Yeah. And that's really hard for the human brain to do. Really hard for the human brain to do. So here's what we do. And I learned this. Um, see, this is, this is why I'm successful at what I do is because I learned this technique as I was helping my children cope with their anxieties. Mm -hmm. So with the anxieties that come with autism and the anxieties of, of OCD, that is an anxiety disorder. So as I'm coping, you know, helping my son cope with his OCD and my daughter with her anxiety, um, I realized that there's a huge, uh, coping mechanism called, uh, the, the difference between possibility Mm -hmm. and probability. Is it possible that you need 15 Costco-sized containers of toilet paper? Well, it's possible. For the flu. flu. Yeah. Is it possible? Yeah, it is. It's absolutely possible because things could shut down and I couldn't get to the store and, and, and blah, 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 blah. It's possible. Is it probable? No. <laughs> no, but. There's always a but that comes yeah. after that. No, it's not probable. Is it possible that the sun could explode tomorrow and swallow up the earth and burn us all to death? Sure. Wait a minute. I didn't know that. That's possible. possible. Now I've got something else it's I've po- got to worry about. Oh, come on. Is it possible because of all the earthquakes that have been going on lately that, you know, the the huge um, Yellowstone, the, the mega volcano could erupt? Yeah, it's, it's possible. Is it probable? No. 
So stop worrying about it. So now here's how we put it into practice with stuff. Okay. Is it possible that we could need 15 pairs of shoelaces before, uh, you know, that, that we need to replace in our shoes is possible. Yeah. Yeah. Is it probable? Well, somebody who's been wearing the same pairs of shoes for the last 15 years and they always buy the same ones and they, they wear them very seldomly. And so they could, you know, the dog could chew the shoelaces before they would actually replace the shoes. That's probable. Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. For me, no, like I go through shoes fast enough and I wear out the shoes that I have. And I only have like six pairs of shoes. So chances are I'm going to wear out my shoes Mm -hmm. faster than what I'm going to need shoelaces for to replace the shoelace in my shoe. So it's, it's not probable for me to need a whole bunch of extra shoelaces. So I'm going to get rid of my shoelaces because I don't need them. Is it probable that I'm going to use my shoelaces for arts and crafts? No. (laughs) So I'm going to find the value and say this, these hold no value to me. So can I donate them to somebody in my ward who needs to make quiet books for their toddlers? Yes. And then I can get rid of them and not feel guilty and great. Um, But okay. So what if it is probable that you need those shoelaces? Is it probable that you need all 15 extra pairs that you've been keeping? Well, no, I guess I could do like three pairs. Exactly. So how many pairs of shoelaces are you going to go through before you get rid of this pair of shoes? Let's say three. Okay. Three pairs of shoelaces because maybe the dog might get at them. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever reason. Then let's keep three pair. You know what? Let's even throw in an extra pair just in case something that is not foreseen happens. Mm -hmm. So let's keep four pairs of shoelaces and get rid of the other 11. Now that's really hard to do because we're, we're pitting, you know, that emotion against logic. So this is how you need to, what you need to do to make this work. We need to, if you, if, if this is really hard for you to do, really hard for you to do, then you get rid of one pair of shoelaces and you celebrate. You celebrate, you do a happy dance, (laughs) you go get an ice cream cone, you go buy yourself some flowers. You have your husband come give you a big smooch. I mean, whatever you do to celebrate, celebrate. Because right now, getting rid of something tells your brain, oh no, this is scary. And if I get rid of this, I'm going to die. Really, truly, yeah. oh, your no. brain is, Listen, is programmed. I, my laughter is agreement, not, <laughs> not dismay at what you're saying. No, my laughter is 100%. Oh, yeah. No, no. I guess, I, yeah, yeah, I okay, guess I'm I get not it, alone. She understands what I'm talking about. So your brain needs to learn new neurological pathways. Mm. And so if you get rid of something that's really scary to get rid of mm. and you go celebrate, your brain is going, whoa, wait a minute. This is a good thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. You just created a new neurological pathway. But in order for that to stay the way that our brain thinks all the time, we need to consistently do this again and again and again and again and again. So then once we're calmed down and breathing normally after that pair of shoelaces, then we get rid of another pair of shoelaces. And our brain now is conflicted going, um, it should be scary, but last time when we got rid of them, we didn't die. So... And so then you get rid of another pair of shoelaces and you go celebrate. Mm -hmm. 
and you do your little happy dance and you make yourself some cookies. Get that smooch. Don't forget do, the smooch. You get, you get the smooch and you watch your favorite movie and you celebrate. And then your brain goes, oh, okay, I, I didn't die again. Mm. Maybe we're on to something. So if this is a really, really, really difficult thing for you to do and you are afraid of getting rid of things, you get rid of things slowly, one at a time, and you celebrate every single time you get rid of something because you are retraining your brain how to think about getting rid of something. And before long, it's not so scary anymore. And maybe next time you get rid of shoelaces, you can get rid of five at a time. Yeah. And then you celebrate. Whoop, whoop. And you get the smooch. I want to focus on this smooch thing. You get the smooch and you make sure that it is a positive thing every single time. If you can do that and you're logical about it, I mean, there are some things that that might happen. You know, you you just got rid of something and so it's on the forefront of your memory. Mm -hmm. And so you might think that in the next two weeks, next month, why did I get rid of that? I needed that. No, you haven't needed that in the last 20 years. You just think that you needed it because you brought it to the forefront of your memory because you just got rid of it. So calm yourself down and really think about, do I really need it? Do I really need to go get another one? Or am I just creating a situation that I would use it simply because I was thinking about it? So So watch yourself. So here's the challenge now. We only have a couple minutes left, and I want to ask you the questions we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. But I also, uh, in a minute or less, so get Mm -hmm. ready. I know you can talk fast. There are a lot of people that are probably listening to this right now who are finding themselves with a lot of time at home. They're self-quarantined and they're looking around and they're saying, you know what? I could probably make the most productive use of this time by going through some things and getting rid of some things. Now, the catch 22 is we can't take them anywhere because none of those places are open yet. I can't wait to see the disaster that is the first day that all those places are open. But in a minute or less, those people that really want to make a difference within their house uh, with this time that they've got, give them all the advice that you can give in a minute and go. Do it and do it until it's not scary anymore. But also know that this is only the beginning part of the process. I have created my own little grid. I call it my organizational grid that gets you through the entire process. Meaning you have to be able to declutter your past and get rid of the stuff that you've been hanging on to. You have to be able to organize your present and figure out how to put things into place right here and now in order to feel calm and organized and put together. And then you also have to be able to, with regards to stuff, boost your productivity in your space. So with regards to stuff, I'm no Stephen R. Covey. I am no Zig Ziglar, you know, talking about the mindset of, of, of productivity. I'm talking about how can your stuff help you be productive with what you want to do and boosting those relationships rather than being reactive to whatever else is going on. So now everything that I do is now online because mm-hmm. I couldn't get into people's homes. So come and find me, come and find me. And I will walk you through that entire step, that entire grid of getting rid of the past, organizing the present and boosting your productivity in the future. Where do people find you? Rethinkclutter.com or on Facebook at Rethink Clutter. All right. Now, the three questions we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall, I'll ask of you right now. The first one is, uh, do you have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? I am a Relief Society teacher and I teach once every other month. Perfect. It's the saddest (laughs) calling ever. I'm the kind of person, though, I'm like, give me a microphone. I will teach every single week. Yeah. And they're like, nope, once every two months will be just fine. Every two months is plenty. 
Uh, if you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? Gospel doctrine teacher. Yeah, which uh, which section? What would you teach? What's your favorite? What's your jam? Um, I love teaching the Book of Mormon just because it's so much fun to teach and dig into. Um, but I would love to give a go at Old Testament oh. because that's always been so intimidating yeah. to me. Um, but if done well, it's phenomenal and remarkable. So I, I would love to teach Old Testament. All right. Last question. Interpret this however you would like, but what is your favorite part of your faith? How it has changed and morphed and still stayed true. I love it. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you weren't healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat on the back row.